Hey friends, over the next few months, I will be interviewing unique people who have great ideas on how to make radical changes in America's eating habits, boost awareness of our environment, and contribute to the economic health of our country. This is Meryl Kennedy, and this is my podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rice Up Your Bowl. I'm so, so excited about today because I have a dear friend with me, Hope Anderson Fruget, and we're going to talk about diet, all things health, also bring some life, some new fun recipes. But most of all, I want to talk about her and a little bit what she's doing to get other people to eat healthy, um, both with her Hope Bars, but also just by teaching people to live a healthy lifestyle. Um, she's the author of Health with Hope, um, and okay, good, and has been doing all kinds of stuff for our community to try to get people active and to try to get people to eat better and live a better lifestyle. So I just want to start a little bit, Hope, with what inspired you to start this business? Well, thank you, first of all, for having me on the podcast. I'm super Absolutely. excited to have a, a conversation and a chat with you. Um, what inspired me was just sort of this lifelong fascination with food, nutrition, health, wellness. You know, I grew up as a dancer and my first love truly was food. So movement, food, wellness have, have always been. This goes together, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, it's just been, they've been passions of mine from an early age and I'm really thankful that I grew up in a family where A, we had access to food because access is everything, but B, my mom always put meals before us that were wholesome. It's not that we didn't have, you know, indulgences like brownies and cookies occasionally, but for the most part, you know, breakfast was really balanced. She sent meals to school with us that were balanced. And so I think that also gave me a palate for wholesome food, but the foodie in me now, you know, as an adult and as a dietitian wants to share with the world that people can have the best of both worlds. We can eat well and nourish and fuel our bodies, but we also can taste and celebrate with food and have really flavorful dishes on yeah. the plate. I think that's so important for people to know because taste is a big deal, right? It's, it's part of one of our major senses that we were given, right? By God is the ability to taste. And so to take that away from food to me, um, just takes one of life's biggest pleasures away. So I, yeah, love I, I was just going to add, I always say, you know, I really believe firmly it has to taste good before it's ever healthy for us. Because, you know, what's the point if you're just kind that. of mindlessly knocking it back, you know, it's got nutrition in it, but it doesn't taste good. We're probably not going to eat it for very long. That's right. That's right. It's probably not going to nourish our, nourish our body as well. So that's, um, that's wonderful. So do you think that dance really was your earliest inspiration or was something else, a larger inspiration in your life? I think all of it sort of the amalgamation of it all. I think the fact that I started dancing at three and loved being on a stage, loved ballet. I was actually a very shy, introverted child. And for some reason, lights just sort of on a stage made me come alive. 
so I was into theater and I was into dance, but um, yeah, the connection between mind, body, and spirit, I believe I established that from a pretty early age, along with our family just eating foods that, you know, we didn't have apple jacks, we had apples and peanut butter. <laughs> and so that the exposure, and that's something that I'm really deliberate about in motherhood. Now we have a two-year-old and another little girl on the way. So we'll have two girls come this Christmas. You are the cutest pregnant woman, by the way. You, I don't know. I think you took the cake. I saw <laughs> you pregnant. You were pretty darn adorable, but thank you. And, um, you know, I want to teach our girls how to eat well and to have um, the palate for nourishing foods, but also to teach them balance that it's not quote unquote bad to have any certain kind of food. Food can't be good or bad. It's inanimate. So um, teaching them mindfulness and intuitive eating is really important to me too. And I think we're all born with that innately. If you watch children eat, when they're not hungry, they really push the plate away or not interested in food. But if they're hungry, they are ravenous and ready to tear into whatever's before them. So we sort of lose that ability as we grow up and as the world has its influence on us. And that's really important in our family too, is teaching how to be intuitive with food and how to enjoy food and, and do so in moderation. You know, we always say as dietitians, everything in moderation, including moderation. So. Well, it's so important to me as a mother, and I'm sure it is for you too, especially, you know, I have a boy and a girl, but especially for my daughter to have a healthy relationship with food. Yes. Um, unfortunately, so many women and, and men, but a lot of women, unfortunately, have negative relationships with food in their body, which mm -hmm. ultimately, to your point, influences their spirit, right? So right. I think learning to make healthy choices earlier um, that become lifestyles and mm -hmm. having a positive relationship. Um, with all types of food is such a beautiful blessing. Um, and I, you know, my whole goal of this podcast really was to encourage people um, to really think about what they're eating and how that can change your life and, and mm -hmm. um, bring value, you know, and that can be either through health or exercise or diet or mental well-being. you know, all those things really make a difference. Um, but how do you think that we can support? Cause it's challenging. I mean, you know, um, support others to, to leave kind of a, or lead a better, healthier lifestyle, um, to make different choices on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, here in Louisiana, where we're based, it's really an uphill battle. I mean, the obesity epidemic is really a problem here. Yeah. It is real. And I was just looking at statistics because it had been a while since I'd looked at how many Americans are actually overweight and obese. It's changed. It's grown. The problem has grown since I was in school studying nutrition and dietetics. Now I believe it's 40, maybe 41% of Americans are obese, not just overweight. And so um, I think it's close to 75, maybe 73% are overweight or obese. That's the majority of Americans. And so, you know, I think angling it that way and only talking about health from an obesity standpoint really isn't going to get us anywhere because people who are overweight and unhealthy are already kind of downtrodden and probably feel like there isn't a lot of hope. Um, but shifting the conversation to 
what we can include on the plate, that's really the, the MO that I have with my clients, with my patients that I see is not what I can't eat or the food that I have to take off of the plate, but what we can include, what we should be encouraged to put on the plate, um, which, you know, a balanced diet, it's not rocket science. It really is quite simple. It's kind of getting back to the basics. Uh, if you look at your plate and you divide it down the middle visually, try and color half of your plate. Plant-based foods, fruits, vegetables, leafy greens, nuts, seeds, lots of color. The more color, the better, because we have antioxidants that are in each of those different colors. The green spinach, the orange butternut squash, the blue blueberries, all of those pigments indicate different antioxidants. Antioxidants keep us well in cold and flu season, help to prevent cancer, have a myriad of health benefits. So color half your plate is what I encourage people to do. And then on the other half of the plate, divide that half into a quarter and a quarter, have a, a lean protein, whether that's fish, meat, poultry, um, you can do tofu tempeh if you're more of the vegan vegetarian route, um, any kind of lean protein. It doesn't have to take up half the plate like we are accustomed to in America. Right. It should just be about the size of our palm, actually, smaller portion. And then the other quarter section of the plate should include some kind of complex carb like brown rice or sweet potato. Um, any kind of whole grain, any kind of um, this season, we, you know, what's in season right now, I think of butternut squash and acorn squash, which we'll talk about in a minute. So oats are a really great grain too, but rice is a staple in our house, actually. My husband, so you said my last name, Fruge, is from South Louisiana. And there, rice is even more a staple. Rice is, rice is life, right? <laughs> rice is life. I tried to get early in our relationship, <laughs> tried to get my husband, Heath is his name, to eat brown rice in a dish. Oh, it was actually in a gumbo. And we had brown rice already made and I went to fix it. And he just looked at me like I had, I was a monster with three heads. <laughs> like that is, you know, that a is sacrilegious <laughs> hope. That is sacrilegious. So I learned very quickly, okay, no brown rice for him with the gumbo. However, he does have brown rice in his diet. And I would say his diet has improved substantially since we got together. Um, and it's, it is all small shifts too. kind of going back to if there's somebody listening to this podcast who does have some health goals and changes that they'd like to make. Don't change everything at once. You know, I didn't get Heath to eat brown rice overnight, but slowly but surely we changed and tweaked some things and I served different dishes and lo and behold, he's now a brown rice eater. It's the same thing for all of us. We can't just walk out our doors if we're not a runner and go and run a 5k or a marathon. We have to train for that. We have to take small steps, putting our feet right one in front of the other to lead to bigger habits that are, are established healthy lifestyles. Absolutely. I love that. Um, so, you know, and I think that this message is really important, especially going into the holidays. And um, I wanted to have you on the podcast around the holidays, just because I think it's so important that we can continue to live a healthy lifestyle um, and we can eat well, right. And we can eat delicious food. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to 
all tastes like cardboard to mean it's healthy. So I think that that's really important. Just, you know, those small steps, like you said, um, I think make a huge difference. So I just want to know, Hope, you know, how do you start your day? I mean, what what does it look like um, in the life of um, Hope Fruget on a daily basis? Never the same. Um, you know, I'm a coffee girl. I like to start my day with coffee and mornings are sacred to me. I've always been a morning person since the time I was a child. My brother was not, we were total opposites, but I, I really love solitude and peace and quiet. I love being the first one up in the morning, um, which is a real treat to have that time. Yesterday morning, I got that. I woke up before the crack of dawn and had just a really long stretch to ground myself, um, to do a devotional, to really just prepare my spirit for the day, which was wonderful. It doesn't look like that most days though. Most days it's waking up with Landry, our two-year-old and accommodating her needs and her morning routine a little bit more so than mine. You understand that as a mom. Yes, I do. And we wouldn't have it any other way. Um, she's really into the show Bluey with the two dogs. Never mind. So right. mind. So every morning she demands, we're working on our manners, but she demands Bluey in a bottle <laughs> on the couch. So it's just really trying to get the day started, see Heath off in the morning and find a moment to carve out a wholesome breakfast for myself, which these days is looking it's chillier. I love oatmeal in the fall and the winter months. So I'll actually make a big thing of it on the weekends and just kind of scoop some out, reheat it, top with some fruit and then drink my coffee. But mostly it's centered around family and getting everyone else's needs met before. Whew, okay. Let's dive into work for the day. Yeah. And sometimes that's what it takes. You know, I mean, we all have responsibilities and things um, on our plate, but it's so important to kind of take that 15 minutes, even if that's all it is for yourself to kind of refocus and sure. to get your mind ready, um, ready to start the day. So I want to talk a little bit about your bar because a lot of people listening are local and they can order these bars and y'all they're so delicious. Um, have created them. She brought me some to my office the other day. And I was like, wow, these are just even better than I thought that they were. So if you're looking for a holiday gift or just a nice treat for somebody in your life um, that needs a little pick me up, um, I have to give a shout out um, because it's just a wonderful product and um, just, I just love what you're, what you're doing. And I believe you're taking holiday orders. Am I correct? Yes. yes. Okay. So okay. Hope Bars came about really kind of organically and on a whim. I was, as a dietitian, getting ready to go and deliver a workshop to dancers in Nashville and decided last minute to throw something together. So ingredients that are always in our kitchen are bananas, walnuts, peanut butter, or some kind of nut butter, um, dark chocolate, because I still love my sweets, oats. And so I just kind of whipped something up randomly and it turned out to be good. I did not find this out until later when I, because I didn't taste it. When I saw the dancers actually eating it, I'm like, Phew, okay, it's, it, it'll pass it. test. And then people, you know, I made them again and shared with some friends and people really loved them. And then I started taking them to different events that I did and um, 
people asked, where can I get these? And so finally I thought, okay, maybe I've landed on something. Maybe I'll just offer them. And so they were um, at that chapter of life, they were sold in a coffee shop and then people started ordering directly from me, which is now the business model that I have with the Hobar. So people order these small whole foods, small batch bars that are essentially, it's sort of like an oatmeal baked bar. Some people say it tastes like a healthy banana bread because banana helps. I definitely think it, yeah, I definitely think it's a mix of like a banana bread slash um, kind of like a no-bake cookie, but yeah. which the, is funny because they yeah. are baked. It's it's not a no-bake bar. It's not like mix the ingredients, press it in, and then right. So, but it's um it's just a really beautiful balance of proteins, healthy fats from the nuts, fiber, and those complex carbohydrates that give us our energy. And um, it's a perfect solution for a busy person on the go. I can't tell you how many mornings I eat a bar on the way to drop my daughter off or just when I'm rushing out the door and I need something to ensure that I have fuel for the morning. And they do, they keep you full. But again, going back to, I love that it tastes good and people can't believe that it's actually wholesome. That's right. Well, I just think that it's a really great gift this holiday season, especially because we're all kind of looking for fast solutions in between those holiday meals, right? Um, sure. And it could be a really nice way to give to people. Um, so, and I'll I'll make sure to make it available um, so people know where to find it. But I think that that's a I think it's a perfect holiday holiday gift. But hope yeah. I want to end on your favorite rice recipe to bring it back to um, you know my love of of rice and everything wholesome um, and just the family table in general, because we're going into that family season and how we can create these moments right around the family table and give thanks, um, for everything we've got. And a lot of that for my, myself and my family is around food. So I know that you feel the same way. So yeah. just share, share with me your favorite, um, recipe. The recipe that I wanted to bring to the table today <laughs> is a stuffed acorn squash. And this is my own um, I made it up really, I can't even tell you how long ago. Um, basically what you do is you take those beautiful acorn squash that a lot of people don't know what to do with. You know, you see- yeah, They're the, kind of intimidating to me a bit. Even. Like, okay, yeah. I can see that. Um, that, uh, you know, there are, there are a couple different squashes on the shelves this time of year. You've got your spaghetti, kabocha, mm -hmm. delicata, acorn looks like an acorn. Yep. Well, I guess it kind of, yeah, it kind of probably is intimidating if you've never cooked. Yeah, but they're so delicious. It's so worth it. They're so good. And if you're a sweet potato fan, it's a natural step over to an acorn yep. squash, just like it would be with a butternut. You could use a butternut squash if you had that on hand for this recipe. But basically what I do is like every great recipe, you start with onion and garlic sauteed with some extra virgin olive oil throw in some fresh sage, which makes it very appropriate for Thanksgiving. And Absolutely. it's beautiful because you roast these acorn squash, you cut them in half, scoop out the seeds. You can roast the seeds. I always toss them. I feel like that's just so much work. Um, toss the seeds if you want to. And then a little olive oil, salt and pepper roasted in an oven at 425. 
until it's nice and golden brown. You can do it turned cut side up or cut side down. I like to do it cut side up so it gets nice and golden brown on top. Okay. Then as you're roasting that, I start the stuffing part and just saute those three ingredients, garlic, onion, um, a little bit of sage after the garlic and onion soften. Um, you throw in some turkey sausage. If you're a vegetarian or a vegan, you can leave out the, the animal protein um, because you're going to add your brown rice in a minute, which actually is a wonderful source of protein. Protein. Absolutely. It is. Um, and so other ingredients that go in the dish, and I think you're going to link to it or share this recipe in your show notes are craisins. So dried cranberries, you're going to do, um, Parmesan at the end to finish it. And I love a drizzle of balsamic vinaigrette. It's beautiful. It's like very visually graphic across the top. And, um, it just adds that nice acidity to a dish that really elevates it and balances it, but it's gorgeous. And you don't have to serve it in both, you know, when you cut the squash in half, typically what I do is let that be sort of a bowl for the stuffing. Okay. And it's gorgeous to behold, but you can also do it in smaller wedges and just spoon the stuffing over it. Um, but it's so perfect for Thanksgiving, the sage. Um, oh, what an elevated way to do a dressing too. Yes. When I first made it for Heath, he goes, this is delicious. I love it. It's basically just rice dressing, which I had never had rice dressing until my first Thanksgiving with he, he and his family. You know, here we do more cornbread dressing in right. North Indiana. Right. There they do the rice, rice dressing. dressing. Rice dressing. And, um, you know, his dad, who is just like quintessential French Cajun man, even loves it. And it's got brown rice. So that's one of, this was one of my recipes to make a brown rice convert out of and make him enjoy brown rice a little bit more. Yeah, no, rice dressing um, is one of um, my favorite meals, but this this with the squash is such an elevated way to bring something really beautiful to the Thanksgiving table too. So um, yeah. I'm always, especially, I know a lot of people do Friendsgiving, right? Or different yeah. dishes. And um, it's so fun to bring something that tastes good, but actually it's really beautiful too, right? It is. Um, and so this is a beautiful dish. I love the idea of drizzling it a little bit with that balsamic. Yes. Um, and the I also sage. love topping it with shaved Parmesan in the bigger ah, shavings, the bigger, the bigger like, pieces. Okay. You can add, you know, just sprinkles of shredded Parmesan into the actual rice mix. Okay. But then to top it with the flakes, the shavings of Parmesan just looks really pretty too. Yeah. And serve in a bowl. You could put it on a plate, but a bowl kind of holds it in place as you're cutting it. And side note, the peel of an acorn squash is edible. So eat the peel. You'll get more fiber um, and even more of a nutrition boost if you do. But if that absolutely no, you know, a lot of people are scared of the peel of a lot of different um, and and really all all rice brown rice is is you keep the peeling on right. So. Many people don't know this, but brown rice is just the bran layer on, on white rice, right? So when you peel that off, you know, you're left with the, with the carbohydrate, but on the starch, 
and that's a pure energy form as well. So white rice is not necessarily bad, but brown rice does no. have a lot of nutrition that, that yeah. we just take off. Right. And there are certain, yeah. just comment on that side note. I, I still cook with white rice in our kitchen. Um, there are certain culinary applications where it's way more appropriate to use a white rice over a brown rice. Um, one thing that, one story that comes to mind, I wanted to make a risotto and okay. I got a brown basmati rice. I think it was a basmati, but it was a brown rice. Um, I think Oreo, was, if you're trying to make risotto. Oh, oh, oh yeah, 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 it was Oreo, you're right. So I got a brown versus the white that the dish called for. And if you've ever made it, have you made risotto before? I have, I have. It's a labor intensive, like slow and steady, yes. mindful, could be a beautiful date night with a bottle of wine and you and your partner just kind of ladling in the, the liquid, letting the rice soak it up a little bit more. It's a process. We'll take that original process with white rice and probably multiply that times five. Yeah, I was about to say brown <laughs> rice takes so long to cook. You, should, you would have been there for hours. Uh, and I was, <laughs> it was delicious. Once it was done, I think it was a butternut risotto. Um, uh, but next time I haven't even attempted it that lets you know how long it took me. And next time I will definitely do it with the white arboreal rice. Well, we have a new, um, white arboreal that'll come to market at the beginning of next year. So maybe for Valentine's, <laughs> You can just everything about um, <laughs> that um, that beautiful dish. But I really appreciate hope you being on the show, encouraging people to eat better, to have a healthier lifestyle, to use rice as part of their dishes this Thanksgiving. And um, I hope all the best for you. For all of our listeners out there, please check out Hope's Bar. It is a delicious, delicious product and an awesome gift for the holidays. So thank you again and um, talk to you soon, friend. Thanks, Beryl. Thanks for having me. Bye.